I drank so much that oftentimes I would wake up at home not knowing how I got there. I partied, I did drugs, but that lifestyle led me to feeling so empty. Real life starts now. This is Real Life Radio Show with On Lay. I felt alone. I felt lost. I felt scared. Real stories. I was so desperate in living such a dark and callous life. Real people. I was thinking there was no purpose for my life. There was no reason for me to be here. Real problems. I told my dad, if you try to take these drugs, I'm going to kill you. One solution. God. Hope is a person, and his name is Jesus. And now your host, On Lay. Hi, this is Evangelist Don Lay. Welcome to the Real Life Radio Show, where we're going to talk to real people who had real problems, but found answers in a real God. Today, we're going to talk about the reality of serious alcohol abuse and how some use it to numb their deeper feelings of pain and suffering. We'll be interviewing Lisa Medina, who lived a tough life dating gangsters and tough guys but ended up in a lifestyle of being verbally and emotionally and even physically abused. This led her to a life of alcohol abuse that often brought her to a place of recklessness and endangering her own life and the lives of others. Lisa, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Lisa, you're awesome. I mean, it's great having you on our show. And I know it's hard for some of us to talk about our past when it comes to all this abuse. So I'm really thankful you're sharing about this. I know this is going to help somebody who's listening. So I want to get right into it. Now, I understand you became a functioning alcoholic in your life. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. So what's the difference between an alcoholic, functioning alcoholic, non-functioning alcoholic? What's the difference? Well, the difference in my life was that I was able to still go to school and function throughout the day, and I would binge drink mainly on the weekends and Mm. still kind of live a somewhat of a normal life. Okay. So basically, you were drinking, but you were still kind of rolling and maybe had such a tolerance, you could just keep going, right? Yes, I did have a high tolerance. Okay. So tell us, though, how you grew up. I want to kind of dig into your past here. Did something happen per se in your past that exposed you to alcohol abuse? Well, I lived in my parents' home and my dad was a functioning alcoholic. So there was Mm. alcohol around me from a young age. So alcohol was just like a normal thing to your life growing up. Yes, it was. And you weren't like, oh, this could become a problem. It was just kind of like, yeah, it's just just like a drink. Not a big deal, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So I understand that early on in life, you came under a relationship that caused you to lean more into alcohol to numb the pain from that relationship. Tell me how you met this guy. I met him through mutual friends. Uh, He was in a gang and that's who I was sticking around with a lot. Was gang members. So that's how we met. Wow. So, I mean, did he sweep you off your feet or what happened? No, not exactly. I mainly liked him as a friend in the beginning. We just hung out and partied together. And then after about a year, we started getting more serious and getting feelings for one another and decided to date or go out. Wow. And got a little more serious from that point on. So was this guy bad news right from the get-go or like how did it kind of pan out? Yeah, he was. He was into a lot of negative stuff, fighting, drugs, alcohol, in and out of jail. Yeah, real negative. So you're with this guy. But I mean, you know, at first, how was he talking to you? He didn't just come right out and like start bad stuff. It was kind of good at first, right? 
Yeah, he kind of played a role in the beginning and acted like he was a decent guy. He didn't verbally abuse or put his hands on me for like the first year of the relationship. Wow. But then what happened? Like, when did it change? Do you remember the first time it started changing? I believe it started changing once he knew that he had me and that I agreed to be his girlfriend. Mm -hmm. That's where he assumed possession over me Wow! and got really controlling and very jealous. And I couldn't do a whole lot of anything after that. And then he would slowly start verbally and emotionally abusing me and getting me more trapped into his abuse. Wow. So what does that look like, Lisa, to someone who maybe doesn't even know what that looks like? Like, what do you mean? What do you just like call you names or like, what was it actually like? What did he say? Yeah, when he would get mad at me, he would call me names and put me down and tell me that I was nothing but a whore or oh my you know, gosh. nobody would want me because I was fat and ugly. And what? he would tell me stuff like, you're better off dead. Nobody cares about you anyways. Oh my really God. Really hateful things and just things that he knew would break me down and destroy my confidence and destroy my identity, I believe. Oh my gosh. So here he is telling you these horrible things. And they're completely false. I think that's lesson number one is when someone's telling you these things, they're wrong. Yeah. You know, it's something to control you. Now, I understand that it even started getting physical. Is that right? Yes. It got physical pretty fast, too. He would snatch me by my hair, drag me, kick me in my stomach, in my head, in my face. He would bite me. I got bite marks so big. It would look like I got bit by a dog or animal. It would be like fresh wounds and I'd have really big bruises. All over my body, he would slam my head into the concrete. What? He was more physically abusive when he was drunk, but there was times that he wasn't drunk and he would still beat me pretty bad. Oh my gosh. So basically, it started with the verbal and emotional abuse, and then it eventually moved on to worse and worse physical abuse. I mean, how come you didn't just like, you know, and a lot of people wonder, like, how come just not walk out of that relationship And why do young people, sometimes when they find themselves in a relationship like this, they feel stuck? Why? What's going on there? Psychologically, I believe you're so controlled and you're so fearful that you feel trapped, like you can't leave and like there is no hope and you don't want to talk to anybody about it because in a sense, you try to protect that person. You try to protect your abuser and you really start believing that it's love. It's a twisted form of love. And so... I never could understood why I stood so long. I was, you know, Mm. broken and a mess, but I couldn't understand, you know, that hold that it had on me until later on. But the hold is just so strong and you feel like you're never going to escape it. Or if you do, it could cost you your life. Oh my gosh. I mean, so how did you cope with this? How do you deal with these feelings of trauma? I mean, getting your head, even gosh, for me, it's just like, I can't even wrap my brain around that. What did you turn to to deal with all this pain and why? Mainly alcohol. I would smoke a lot of weed too and try other drugs, but mainly alcohol was my self-medication for many years of just escaping the reality of the hurt and the pain and feeling so unworthy and being so broken. It would just make me forget about it for a while. And like while you were doing that, you didn't know you were doing that, right? You just knew you liked alcohol, right? 
Yeah, it was kind of both. It was like I liked the alcohol, I liked getting drunk, but at the same time, it was so destructive that I knew I was using it to escape reality because I would mm. drink until I would black out and I wouldn't remember anything the next day. See, I've never done that. So basically, you would drink and drink and drink and to the point where you'd black out. Like, what do you mean? Like, you just wake up at home or what does that look like? Yeah, sometimes at home, sometimes at a friend's house. I wouldn't remember anything from the night before. Oh, my gosh. I think I was at a point in my life that I didn't care if I lived or died. So, wow, you're pretty broken down. Tell me sometimes how this lifestyle endangered the lives of others, like times you might have been driving. Yeah, I drove while drinking a lot of times. And unfortunately, my biggest regret is there was times I would drive with my kids. Oh, wow. And I was very irresponsible and I wouldn't think twice about it. If I was already under the influence, I would just try to get myself home. And I would get home, thankfully, every time. But I would put myself or friends, I would have friends with me sometimes. And I would always be the one driving. And there was just a lot of times that I was very irresponsible with that. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, going a little deeper into that. So that makes sense. You were a functioning alcoholic. So you were like, totally intoxicated. But you're like, No, I'm good. I can drive. Like kind of like that. Yeah. Oh, man. I think that I was fine. Yeah. And people would be like, okay. And they just jump in the car with you. Yeah. I mean, there was rarely any times that anybody would try to stop me. There was probably a a handful of times that maybe my sister or somebody, if I was with like close people to me, they would stop me. But the majority of the time, if it was just, you know, occasionally people I would hang out with, they wouldn't stop me. Lisa, looking back, When do you think alcohol really gripped you? And why do you think it was that that gripped you? I believe it gripped me once I had experienced the abuse and the relationship that I was in because I felt hopeless and trapped and just really at the lowest point in my life. Lisa, let's stop there. What a horrific story of abuse. And I am so sorry that you went through something like that. No one should ever have to go through something like that. Nobody. Lisa, I want to have you on our next show to talk more about the negative effects of the you know, alcohol abuse in your life and then how you got out of it. So thanks so much for being on our show, Lisa. Okay. Thank you very much. Awesome. Hey, audience, don't go anywhere. Let's dive deeper right after the break. Listen, my friend, you are in a spiritual battle and there's a spiritual battle right now for the soul of our nation. The Bible says we overcome the power of the enemy by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimonies. And friend, I need your help spreading this show to all 50 states all across the USA. And that takes money to broadcast in each city. You can help by being a stable monthly giver of our ministry, Awakening the Nations. We are a ministry who's committed to preaching the gospel all across the world. Partner by going to awakeningthenations.com and we believe America shall be saved. Real Life Radio is a ministry of Awakening the Nations, a 501c3 nonprofit organization that depends on your donations. If you would like to find out more about Awakening the Nations or make a tax-deductible donation, please visit our website at awakeningthenations.com or call us at 877-480-4477. That's awakeningthenations.com or 877-480-4477. More Real Life starts now. Welcome back to the show where we're going to go deeper on what you just heard. So what do you think about this? 
To me, I can understand how someone can turn to alcohol so easily to deal with their deeper emotional pain from life because it has a numbing effect. But in the end, it bites you back. It is written in ancient scriptures in Proverbs 22, 29-30. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaints? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who linger long at the wine, those who go in search of mixed wine. Now, this is such an ancient scripture, but you can see it describes the detail of what Lisa Medina went through in her life, where the alcoholism, which was she was trying to deal with past hurts, started causing more sorrow, more pain, more hurt, more wounds without a cause. I mean, she's getting pounded into the pavement. It's horrible. Like there was no reason for her to be hurt except for how the alcohol helped her to make poor decisions in her life. What about you? How do you deal with your emotional pain from the past? Are you trying to mask it with alcohol or even another substance? Let me pray for you if that's you. Lord God, we all have problems. We all have pains from our past, but it's just how we deal with it. Lord Jesus, I'm praying for the person out there right now who is dealing with their pain with a substance. I'm praying, Lord God, that you would bring supernatural healing to their life even right now. Lord Jesus, that your power and that your presence would transcend to them right now. And Jesus, we know that we can call upon you. So we call upon the name of Jesus. We call upon you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. I hope you were blessed by this testimony. And I know that your life was touched. If you need prayer, please give us a call at 877-480-4477. That's 877-480-4477. See you next time. 